Hello and hi and welcome to the rbr.music podcast. My name is Steve Hurley and as always I'm joined by the creator of the rbr.music Instagram page, Jordan Murray. Hello Jordan Murray. Hello Stephen Curley. Where each episode in true RBR fashion we will bring you classic and new album and music documentary reviews. It's our mission to cut through noise to discuss the sound and vision. As you guys may already know, we are currently working our way through a back catalogue of music documentaries and on this rbr.music episode we'll be discussing Kurt Cobain Montage of Heck. Over to you, George. Montage of Heck is the product of eight years of production by Mr Morgan. And I've forgotten his name. What's his name again? Brett. Brett, Brett Morgan. That's it. Brett. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, guys. Brett Morgan, the genius behind The Kid Stays in the Picture, Chicago 10 and Crossfire Hurricane. And this being the first Nirvana documentary authorised by the, by the estate. It's quite remarkable for what it's not as for what it is. A vast majority of music documentaries are made by fans, for fans. They merely glide the pedestal on which music history has already placed someone or argue for their underrated importance. There are also documentaries that serve the opposite purpose, to pull a rock god from the heavens down to earth. Montage of Heck doesn't do that either. It is more intimate, more emotional and more personal than either of those easy extremes. It is a true peek into the life of a private superstar. How did he become a rock icon? How did he turn his childhood pain into art? How did his emotional demons overtake him? There are much more difficult questions for a filmmaker to answer than Nirvana vs Pearl Jam or other such garbage for the traditional rock documentary. Morgan's approach is as multi-layered as Nirvana's music. There are interviews including Courtney Love and Chris I'm going to say his name wrong. The bassist of Nirvana, Chris Novelslick. But sadly, no Dave Grohl. Apparently, he was interviewed for the documentary, but it was all pulled out, uh, cut out, edited out, should I say. Um, Francis, uh, sorry, Francis Cobain. Um, She's not interviewed either. That's his daughter. She is executive producer though, so yeah, there is a bit of conflict of interest, I think, with her being executive producer. But it's far from a talking head documentary, as Morgan focuses on archive footage more than anything else, and it's not a performance documentary, although Nirvana's music can be heard through almost all two hours plus of the piece. Morgan varies styles, going from home movies to animated recreations of Kurt's own autobiographical recordings to to concert footage to interviews and back again. It all fits tonally with Nirvana. There's something about listening to the music that Kurt would write later in life while watching home movies of a hyperactive young Cobain that almost feels 
like a music video that the band itself would have produced. At one point, Morgan plays a version of All Apologies that almost sounds like it's coming out of a child's music box. Montage of Heck is layered with emotion throughout. Morgan holds a shot after discussing Kurt's emotional abuse as a child. The sad part of the whole thing is that Kurt just really wanted to be with his mum. And then those words lead into the opening lines of Something in the Way. It's difficult not to feel emotional at the little boy lost who turned that into art later in life. Morgan uses still photos, drawings Kurt made, animations, and then works with his editor to cut them together in rhythm with Nirvana's music in ways that are, let's say, rather different rather than mesmerising. Kurt Cobain, Montage of Heck, gets slightly repetitive in the second half as Cobain's issues with fame and relationship with love dominate the narrative. But even those commonly discussed chapters of the Cobain legacy have a different, almost tragic energy here. Watching Kurt joke around with Courtney, mocking Axl Rose and Chris Cornell, reveals the friendship dynamic of the two in a different way than we've seen before. And the filmmaking always crackles. Every song choice, every intimate home movie, every personal moment, they have been carefully chosen from eight years of research for maximum impact. There's an important critical dictum when one reviews a documentary that we need to be careful to focus on the form of the filmmaking as much as the content. Filmmaking matters more than the subject matter in this case, which possibly is the letdown because, of course, the subject matter is strong. Um, I want to put it out there that I'm not a huge Nirvana fan by any stretch of the imagination. I got the albums, got live albums of theirs before streaming. I thought I was missing something. I didn't understand what all the fuss was about. I'm very attracted to the tortured artist, be it an author, be it a musician, be it an actual artist, be it a comedian. I've always been drawn towards these people and to see how their art stems from their inner turmoil. Uh, Kurt Cobain being no exception. I am more interested in Kurt Cobain the person than I am in Nirvana. When Nirvana was happening, I was quite a young kid, but I remember listening to uh, soundtracks and finding like the Stone Roses, um, Fool's Gold was playing on that. And that was like the same sort of time as Nirvana was um, massive. So I was listening to Stone Roses and obviously the heavy hitters of Britpop uh, you couldn't get away from and that was more my scene and obviously I drank, well not obvious, but I drank from the fountain of 60s and 70s rock at the time that Nirvana was happening. So it kind of passed me by and when I've gone back to it 
I don't know. I was never really an angst-ridden teen. I mean, I had, <laughs> had my problems, but yeah, I do find it quite angsty. Um, but I suppose we're not here to talk about the back catalogue of Nirvana. We're here to talk about this picture show, this documentary. So, Stevie Babe, what do you think about that movie, documentary? Oh, sorry, sorry. My point being about talking... <laughs> do you think I just stopped making my point? Is... Um, I mean, you might disagree with me here, Steve. As I, as I'm not a Nirvana fan, like so, I'm coming at a different angle, really, about uh, more about Kurt Cobain and him as a person, which this documentary is about. I'm not a fan, but somehow I know a hell of a lot about Kurt Cobain and Nirvana, and I've not, never tried to. It's uh, somehow you just know about it. And this documentary does not deliver anything. Uh, right, for the hardcore fans, maybe it shows footage that no one's seen before. But the actual story, and maybe the little bits of banter between Courtney Love and Kirk Cobain, it's quite nice. Um, I don't think there's anything new that gets thrown up. I don't think there's meant to be. I think it is... No? Okay. I don't mean it's like a groundbreaking sh- like you know, show and reveal. I think it's a another sideways look at you know the Kurt Cobain story because it because it isn't mm. really about Nirvana obviously Nirvana prominent within it but it you know is a piece on him and like I said the first what 25 35 minutes is mainly him talking through his youth and his teenage early teenage years um mm-hmm. uh, oh, it's his, his mom with the start of it's his yeah. Mum talking and his dad yeah, pre- talking, and then we learn about this hyperactive, hypersensitive, talented child of a broken home. And then he poured out his pain into drawings and notebooks, and then he got passed around from family home to family home. Uh, as in, the had a divorce, his parents, and then. He got passed around, yeah. like grandmothers yeah. and stuff like that. This is why I'm using the word hypersensitive. I know everyone deals with stress completely differently, and I understand that. But a lot of his pain is due to the fact his parents got divorced. Yeah, which is where, if we're going to... I always like to try and split the two, discuss the narrative and discuss the art, and... As a narrative, and, and I, I know it's quite hard to say because it isn't a narrative, it's the narrative of someone's life. Um, I don't... How do I say this without causing offence? Like, I'm sure there were thousands and thousands of young boys and girls watching their parents get divorced and possibly feeling slightly neglected from love and, and, a, and a family life. I'm also saying there were millions of other teenagers who didn't have that, but I, I, I didn't feel the uniqueness in his story um as a kid i was interested in it and i did find it quite fascinating i didn't think it was you know not that i wanted anything to be worse or and i don't mean it like that but you know you you probably could hear something very similar among many angsty teens of 80s 90s sort of quite quite small town america and or, or small town anywhere so i was a little bit 
uh, not shocked the wrong word, but I was a bit surprised that, yeah, I think he had a pretty troubled relationship with his dad and he obviously sought after his mum's um, love and affection. But obviously, because he was quite hard work as a kid due to this this extra energy and I think they refer to like an ADHD, like obviously, you know, he, he was quite hard for his fairly young parents. I think it refers... They pretty much got married, you know, 20-something and, and had him. And I think the mum mentioned that that's all you sort of chose to be was a mum. Uh, that was the aim um, post getting married. So obviously you've got these young youngsters having children, a child with ADHD or some form of um, behavioural concerns for them. And as I'm listening, I do sympathise with him and, and you can understand. But I, I, like I said, I didn't... I didn't it was new to me to understand that of Kurt Cobain, but I don't think it's new to anyone that it could be the beginnings of an angsty teenager who got into an era of America, American rock, which was grunge and kind of a bit of a backlash from Hairspray Rock and kind of Guns N' Roses, kind of more, you know what I mean, more kind of stadium rock. So I, I felt I felt it actually felt quite, it felt quite true to its narrative in that sense. Um, I think what was really good in the sense of art is I think the story's told really well using these cartoons and this manga style illustration. Um, I like the uh, voiceover. Uh, they, I, I'm assuming it's not Kurt Cobain, but they've got someone doing a, a sort of. Um, I think it is. Do you I think it is? I it is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He, he did recordings. So that's what surprised me when I looked into it. Okay. Him. I thought I, I I weighed up if it was, and I suppose that probably should have should have should have asked you off, off um offline, but. Yeah, I, I, I thought I, sh- I I knew it was his words. You can tell it's his words. I just wanted to show it was him. But I thought it was a really nice piece that. And for the first 35 minutes, it did hook me in like a document you should do. Um, I think they don't focus on his music skill as a youngster. There's really... Yeah, that annoys me greatly because the discovery of punk for him was like a religious epiphany that that gets said, that gets mentioned in the documentary, that's observed. And then as soon as he's heard punk, he it's like the documentary, all of a sudden, Kurt Cobain is now a rounded and accomplished musician and he's formed a band. And I'm like, well, how did, how did that happen? Well, 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 especially when you switch kind of storytelling from, if I remember correctly... And there's all this illustration and then there's lots of, I'm assuming, written pieces, you know, physically written. You're seeing um, yeah, Kurt Cobain's handwriting. handwriting. And there's no context to what that handwriting really is. A lot of it is like scribbles and drawings and words. And you can make the positive assumption that it's obviously, you know, lyrically, musically working towards something. But to then shift him basically being like, they don't even really play on Nirvana's first couple of years it basically just says oh they're really successful and he has a break and it's it's a bit longer than that so spoiler alert it's it's you know but it, it's not much of the story because dave Grohl, i'm sure dave Grohl, as i'm not a huge fan no. of nirvana as i keep on saying <laughs> and he stopped saying that um it's not that i'm not a fan i'm just you know not a massive fan i suppose um i'm sure dave Grohl was the second drummer there was another drummer before him. I'm sure of it, and that's not even touched. Well, you do. You, you see a tiny bit of footage with 
other youngsters. Some, in, some yeah, other fella, yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, there's no... But then we're not, we're not trying to understand the history of Nirvana. We're trying to understand Kurt Cobain. Um, I think, as you noted... Yeah, but it'd be nice to know yeah. if Kurt Cobain got rid of that drummer or if he had a falling out or... Well, that, what, because Nirvana is what shaped him and made him more dependent on his heroin, made him more, you know, lost. So, so I've got but, the more success he was getting. I've got a question. So mm-hmm. clearly, as a teenager, you saw this need for a bit of booze and weed, and he talks about that and stuff. But like, obviously, we know that he they refer to it in the second half of the documentary when mainly when Courtney. Love is talking that he just wanted to take a break and I think he said do three months of heroin or, or something or just like just just back to back. Which isn't um I mean it is it is bizarre to want to do that, I suppose. But uh John Frashanti, he did exactly the same thing, didn't he? The uh, guitarist of um, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. He took I think a couple of years out just to do heroin. See, my, my, my point being is... He couldn't cope with fame. Kurt Cobain or anyone else, like, they probably couldn't have done a few months or a year's worth of holiday recreational heroin if they weren't financially set up like they had through their band. Stable. Yeah, like, yeah, of yeah, course yeah. you couldn't. Like, you, you have people have jobs to and you might be working in and wage and all that kind of stuff. So, I don't know, I, I felt that, obviously, Kurt... Oh, Nirvana. We... And I, I'm not sure if this is a get-out. I mean, it, it does get mentioned quite a lot with him coughing up blood and stuff like that. But like as his fame ran in tandem with his escalating drug use, it backtracks a little, if memory serves correctly, because he was self-medicating with the attempts yeah. of um, to conquer his chronic uh, intestinal spasms. He was self-medicating with heroin. And then, obviously, that became led him into... An addictive codependency with his wife. So two junkies aren't going to help each other, are they? They're going to just... I think she was happy to shut herself away, to be fair. Newsly, the all-in-one super app for iOS and Android. How does Newsly work, I hear you ask? Well, it picks up the most trending articles on the web on topics that you choose and at any given moment reads them out in a natural human voice. For the first time ever, the entire web becomes listenable and all in one place. Browse articles from topics that you choose and start playing. Stop scrolling and start listening. You can follow topics such as sport, tech, business, science, or even music. They have a podcast as well. Explore trending podcasts from over 80 countries. Our podcast, the rbr.music podcast, is there too. I've started using it as my default podcast app. And they even have digital radio. So download and start using Newsly for free from www.newsly.me in the description. And if you use the promo code, that's R-B-R-M-U-S, you'll receive one month free premium subscription. Go and give it a go. Well, I think it's quite clear as well at the time, Courtney Love has, has gone on to have a fairly successful and prominent sort of music and celebrity career post the death of Kurt Cobain. But he was obviously the... the, the I know she was in a band at the time, wasn't she? I forget the name of the band now, but... Um, Hell. Yeah. She, he was obviously the talent. He was the the, the sort of the money into the family. And I, 
and again, that, that's fine. Often you do get, you know, one member of the couple that's more successful than the other at certain times. Um, but I think what you do get towards the sort of second half of the documentary and before you kind of discover and understand a little bit of reasoning behind um, possibly why he, he died, um, there's a real, there is actually a real, there's a real affection. It's a clearly... Um, it's clear to see on camera. I mean, it is home footage quite a lot of the second half, and it's yeah. it's Courtney and, and and Kurt being a young mum and dad, and for anyone who has children and being there, there is you have these mad little moments where you 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 do act daft and silly with your child, and you act daft and silly with your partner, and like that for me. And again, I suppose if I'm taking anything from the narrative of this story, is Kurt Cobain was a pretty pretty normal man really on the whole like he wanted to be a dad i think that was quite clear he enjoyed being a dad yeah he did did yep absolutely with how this documentary is filmed and as you've said you see him as the per- as a person rather than a rock god quite early on in the film his sister kim says kurt's brain was always on and these home recordings sounds sound exactly like that what a brain is like when it's on, but not necessarily thinking anything. It's not like listening to Kurt Cobain's music. It's like submerging yourself in what I imagine to be his mind with all of the bored fidgets, silly voices, jokes made about himself and half-hearted guitar strums. That's actually, I hadn't thought about that. And actually now you've... As, yeah, you've alluded that to me and hopefully any listeners will go away and watch and, and hopefully take it into documentary. I didn't think of it like that. I I actually thought of it initially and hopefully I'm not causing too much offence here, but I actually felt like it was a bit of a pretentious over-delivery over of kind of artistic output. Yeah, but... I, I got very bored oh. halfway through. Yeah. I could have switched it off at any point and just carried on living my life. But... Um... Obviously didn't for this podcast, or this episode, should I say. Um, But maybe I'm giving it too much credit. But looking back, in hindsight, and I've watched it... I watched it when it came out... um, When did it come out? 2015. 2015. And, again, um, for this podcast. And, yeah, like I say, I might be giving it too much credit but as a piece of art it kind of encapsulates Kurt Cobain's mind as it slowly deteriorates yeah yeah I can yeah or or, or you could say deteriorating on one level but maybe finding sanctuary in his daughter and his partner away from it because the the break from the but he's still he's still like I mean he was still he says quite often that he wouldn't want any, any, he wouldn't want to mess his daughter's life up. But then he's there nodding off because he's done heroin when he's she's having a haircut. So it's obviously. Still I mean, at that point. I think, yeah. I mean, you know, he's an addict, wasn't he? And 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 mm. that was that in theory was the, the downfall. But I think. Not to surmise, but certainly to sort of sum up what we've sort of been trying to say for the last sort of 10, 15 minutes was, for me, it, it, it is a good documentary. It really was 
critically acclaimed. It, it didn't fall short. There was criticism, uh, I think, pointed at it from people within Kurt Cobain's life a little bit. I believe a couple of friends said it was slightly, you know, over elaborate and 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 not really the truth. Particularly his youth, like the young, the younger side of him, you know, in his teens and stuff. Mm. Um, but generally, it was it was quite well received. It did well. I think it put obviously well. it says don't. Throughout the documentary, it, there's talking heads or whatever, the band's getting interviewed saying, don't believe what you read and all this. Courtney Love was giving a lot of bad press in this relationship. But to me, because her daughter is, and Kurt Cobain's daughter, is um, executive producer, to me it has a strange aftertaste of the trying to put Courtney Love in, in a good light. Um, make her look like a strong... Well, she was a strong woman. She is a strong woman, but... I also think as well... It's like laughing at how the media used to portray her. And I kind of get that. Like I said at the beginning, I think there's a conflict of interest with putting a family member as an executive producer. But then again, would we get this documentary okayed? They've obviously, they're obviously not happy with what Dave Grohl had to say because they've cut him completely out of the yeah. documentary, um, which is unfortunate. I think it is... Well, it's not one-sided, but when it gets to the marriage... Well, mm. when it gets to the marriage and the relationship with Courtney Love, she's dictating what's being said in that documentary. Obviously, Kurt Cobain can't can't say anything, but um, because he's not here. But his her word against well, it's not even her word against his. Can't yeah. say anything. But that kind of didn't sit well with me. I just couldn't figure out if this was being truthful or she just wanted to look like she was a, in a good light because this songs and stuff that she's holding back. The other members of Nirvana are trying to get uh, well, to release I... them. They've been in court battles for years. So she is a hard-headed woman. But then again, you're not going to want to point that out if your daughter's doing the documentary. Yeah, I d- again, I, you know, look, propaganda within media will and will have and always will exist on some level because... In theory, propaganda can be just one version of a story being told. And I think the way this documentary is positioned is definitely... It's a version of the life of Kurt Cobain. Um, It's wrapped quite nicely in an artistic, creative kind of delivery. And it is, on the whole, pretty entertaining. It's too long. It possibly is one-sided from a viewpoint. I mean, you don't really hear from... Well, you don't hear from Dave Grohl, as you said. You don't really hear from... Um, uh, I've completely forgotten the Chris. other guy's name. Why have I done that? No, no, you do hear from him, the bassist. Yeah. No, no, it's just that no. you don't hear a huge amount from Chris. Uh, it's not like it's kind of like... And you don't really hear from his buddies, his his youth. And, and I know he was a slightly detached youth, but... It, yes, it's, it, it's led by kind of... Well, obviously, his daughter, exec producing, but then obviously... You know, his mum, who was clearly, you know, the, the parent of his life, you know, someone he wanted to be around. And then obviously the, the love of his life 
and his daughter as a newborn baby. Does that, does that make sense? So I think it's, it's a bit of a love story towards the women of his life from him, but he's not had any involvement, if that makes sense, which then is kind of a perception yeah. taken from others. And OK, it is taken from him. So it's, it's all guesswork, though, isn't it? It's, it's but that's, what, that's, 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 my, that's my point. That, that's, that's, point. That's, that's what yeah. I'm trying to say. That because it might, it might not be anything. His problems might not have stemmed from the divorce of his parents. They're just I, guessing. They're that's, just that's my that's, that's my point. That's your point. Sorry. No, 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 no. Before when I was saying like that, like like you know, there are lots of kids in that. You know, she says herself, yeah, you yeah. didn't get divorced in those times. Well, people did start to get divorced in those times, and yeah, I'm sure Kurt was a isolated child of you know divorce in his network or his his close group, but you know, maybe maybe not. We we, we don't really know how bad it was for Kurt. Kirk Bain because ultimately he we don't we don't get to hear from him we get to hear bits from him um so I think from from my side from my view just to surmise I, I think it's a really good documentary it's too long and I probably would like to hear more from people from within his life um but it is a really nice snapshot of him a man first of all a father um I don't. I actually don't really care about being a musician in this documentary. Does that make sense, George? Like that. That doesn't mean anything to me in this documentary. You know, we know who he is. Let's face it. It's not like it's like he was a really interesting guy. Well, he was an interesting guy with a bizarre job because the the way the um, documentary is like. He has all this inner turmoil, and then the next scene is just playing in front of thousands of thousands of people. Well, I think, and then it goes, and, and that's obviously how his life was. He played in front of all these people, and then he just went back to his little heroin. Well, the, the, I think I think that that's the, that's the funny juxtaposition because Nirvana and really Kurt Cobain, like. They were the spearhead of like Generation X. They were, they were the ones you know who were speaking out and fighting against kind of current popular music. Probably not dissimilar to you know a band ten years later doing off the back of pop in the nineties. Like like what, what I'm trying to say is like musically. Yeah, they were against we, um, her metal, weren't they? And yes, they knocked what's his name, um, Michael Jackson off the number one spot and. Yeah, they were complete and utter counterculture. And before I forget, what I think is really interesting, because to me this is very much a 90s time capsule of a certain genre of music, so to speak. When the band, when Kurt Cobain is getting interviewed... It's very raw, as in the interviewer seems to be allowed to say what or ask whatever they want to. And oh, well, th- there's no filter. There's no... They've just got to come up with the answers there and then. And if you look at pop stars back in the 90s or the 80s, even to present day, they have... 
PR people. They they have um, definitely pop stars. They have um, they get taught how to present themselves to the media, what to say, and if a question they don't like gets said, then one of the cohort will step in and say you can't ask that question. Or if it's live, usually the interviewer gets given questions that they're allowed to ask. I mean, they'll put the spin on it and make it sound funny, but they'll get given what they're allowed to say. But I thought it was... For a guy who's very hypersensitive to be asked these questions and be told he's a voice of a generation, that must have been a weight on his shoulders. Well, yes and no. I have an opinion that every now and again within popular culture, movie, music, sport, whatever, you'll get certain characters who are, um, I suppose, poked at a little bit within the media because maybe they, they do and don't give enough, if that makes sense. So Kurt Cobain always seem to be unpolished and sort of slightly, you know, uh, the best way to describe it is how he looked, you know, a little bit withdrawn. He kind of, you know, would hold himself back. And I've seen it, I, I won't bother mentioning it because it doesn't really matter, but I've seen it with other, you know, film stars and, and, and musicians where when they're a bit like that, I think they're almost like a media poke or pull. Like they can, they can well, I can ask, I'll, I'll try it with Kurt Cobain because he, he, he may... He may answer, he may see something shocking. And yeah, you'll have your, you know, your popular culture sort of young artists or whatever. And, and they've been trained and, and taught. Well, obviously, when you're coming from the sort of backdrop of Aberdeen and, you know, you, 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 he says he doesn't finish school and all that. I don't think he cared for any of that anyway. I don't think he was ever fighting the good battle to like break his culture class or step out of the class he was born into so I always felt just watching him and uh, and obviously there's not a huge amount of watching out there but just watching him he was awkward he held himself awkwardly but he did it with a bit of his own pride it was it was who he was and again I think this documentary shows that and, and that's where the humanist side of this documentary I think outweighs kind of other documentaries that you might have seen where um you know, you, 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 this full reveal. I think the reveal was a little bit more personality for Kurt Cobain. And okay, yes, he might be one of the the, you know, the, the best known musicians in the world at the time. But at twenty seven, when you die, you've you've not you've not really. You, there's a lot more of an impression you cut you can leave for another ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty years of music. So we've only got what we've got, so we hold on to what we had. So for me, this just gave me a bit more, a bit more enjoyment of. Of him as a person, like I said, artistically, documentary is great. It's too long, and it, it it could be told in ninety minutes very easily, even less. Yeah. Um, but the subject of Kurt Cobain, I do enjoy, even though I think it's a very simple story, and that's really harsh because he was, you know, one of the greatest lead singers of all time, and sadly, you know, he died at twenty seven. But it is quite a simple story of a, a young man trying to find his way. And I think if you take the documentary in that approach in line with what you said before, which is maybe the art of Kurt Cobain, this sort of like somewhere between him and what we didn't know, I think it's a really nice piece. It's just too long and possibly too 
too lopsided from one point of view. Yeah, yeah. yeah well. So, well, I suppose at this point, George, best, best action to do is pass over star rating to you, Jordan. So what is the RBR star rating and why? Okay, I'm going to give this three out of five. It's a voyeuristic document that attempts to plop you down in the living room of a dead hero. And it leaves me, it leaves you, it leaves the viewer with a similar hollow feeling. Cobain fan sites have complained that um, this crosses the line into exploitation, exploitation. But this line was crossed years ago and has been obliterated and trampled many times since. It's, it's as if it's like one last grasp at Cobain's fading spirit. For most people, this is the last phase. This is like a last phase of grief, if you're a hardcore fan, I suppose. The whole thing smells like the essence has gone. It's an artistic piece. It shows you, or it attempts to show you how a hypersensitive man's mind works but as you said and rightly so it's very one-sided and how can it not be because people are talking about him um he can't kick back his parents both divorced and i believe they're trying to look like the good parents over each other and it is too long it's just far too long and it's not gonna gonna welcome any new fans to his well it's not really about his music but obviously Nirvana's music plays throughout and I don't want to say it was difficult as in it was hard to watch because of the subject matter it was just difficult because it was so drawn out I just became so tired of it. It was almost like they were just repeating themselves again and again and again. And it's like, yeah, I've heard all this. And because he's such an icon, you know most of it anyway. But yeah, three out of five, I don't think it's, 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 it's not, it's, I'm, I'm not, I'm not completely slagging it off. It's, you know, if you've got the time, watch it, but. Well, I think, as we've now probably mentioned a few too many times, but you know, we, we did a bit of studying in documentary making at uni, and I think this is probably a lesson that electoral disorders, maybe too much, has held it back really as a, as a piece. It's 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 it, it's too much, slightly pretentious artiness, and it's too much. Too much, too much content stretched out um, because actually the content is fairly thin, um, but by no means not enjoyable. So, fair enough, George. RBR dot music star rating. Kurt Cobain's montage of heck. Three out of five. So, as we fumble our way through a slightly new structure with the music documentary, we always like to um, highlight some good, bad, and rad parts of the. Uh, the documentary so these are nods to uh, Jord what was your favourite bit of the documentary what did you enjoy the most 
<laughs> what I enjoyed most was probably listening to him talking. His audio parts were his, his spoken word material. Um, it, it sounds very intimate. It, it's very, very truthful. To the point of slightly uncomfortable, where I'm surprised he put certain things in, like when he wanted to sleep, or yeah. he did sleep with a yeah. um, girl with learning disabilities. I, I, that bit, I'm not sure if my brain um, <laughs> refused to accept that, or because it's hinted at. Yeah. And then he, he walks out because the smell was so bad. But it also is kind of said that it did happen. So, and it's, you know, make of the man. It's like, I'm very surprised to put that in. And that's the sort of stuff that I would like more of is him giving some really difficult home truths for the viewer, the listener to accept. Well... Yeah, I think, yeah. That's what interests me. That's we learning more about the man because he's speaking himself. With the talking, yeah. Fair enough. No, no, I think you... I, th- I was going to say, I think, w- w- to, to to your point of kind of that bit of the film, I think you found the content probably mostly enjoyable. Um, I share that with you, but I think for me... Actually, the way the way it's put together is really good. The the illustrations cool, the storytelling is great, and the fact that as you've now alluded to, it's 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 Kurt Cobain's voice and you know his words. It's quite a personal bit of the the storytelling, and it doesn't. It's not. It's not like a flash in the pan, is it? I don't. I don't mean. I don't mean that particular. Pete, that's just sprung into my head. Is is talking throughout it? Um, I I really enjoyed listening to him talking um, I, I always have done when he's been getting interviewed and things but yeah when he's talking it's very very personal and as much as that's crossing a line to exploitation mm. <laughs> I quite enjoyed it fair enough fair enough and, and what, what wouldn't you put on again what, what, what about the documentary would you fast forward through uh, what I would fast forward through I found it amusing when I was listening to his parents. Uh, they were speaking in different houses and things. Um, you have to take everything with a pinch of salt with a lot of the talking heads because I don't think a lot of it is true. Uh, that's just speculation. I have no idea. But if you watch it, I think everyone's just... Tr- besides um, Chris, I think everyone's trying to look... Right. Not look the best, but come across as the innocent party or as the nice party or as person who was trying to help him. Um, I mean, I I wouldn't fast forward through that bit. I'm just pointing out that that grated on me a bit. And what I'd fast forward through... I don't think there's certain bits of the Courtney Love and Kurt Cobain in the apartment where they were kissing each other and I'm not a prude or anything Stephen but they were kissing and there was a lot of things that I just thought wasn't needed in that bit it was nice to see them 
bounce off each other and joke around. Like I said before, you'd not really seen that. Um, the press never really commented on that back in the day. Um, and then she's like, there's, there's someone recording them with a handheld camera and then she gets the tits out. And I was like, well, I don't really understand why they've left that in. And she just goes, look at my big tits. And I'm like, how how odd is yeah, that? Yeah, I, I, I think there's, there's an overswell of a lot of pieces that could just be, you know, five minutes, ten minutes, not not twenty five minutes. No, that just it was just voyeurism and and just yeah. For me, that was I think that was all a bit crap, personally, because there was a bit of it where it's just the two of them and the filming themselves and, and and the newborn and whatnot. But but yeah, after after that, some of the yeah, it was all well, it was all just slightly pretentious sort of rock bollocks, really. Um, yeah, no, it, yeah. I think I think. I think it was of an era where, you know, probably people were exposed to to media. The, the well, exposed a lot less to media than how we are now. So, it was kind of like capture everything and delete everything in theory. But um, I I had one part of the documentary that I didn't enjoy, and I I just do not enjoy the middle kind of musical interlude with the kind of um, surreal sort of filmmaking kind of quite extreme images, uh, you know, skulls and eyeballs and sort of... And, and I know Nirvana... Oh, and that had, guy, that guy with the... He's got, like, a minotaur head on. Yeah. And he jumps it, up and down. It's, it's not that my... That was quite near the beginning, actually. But that was it's, weird, yeah. It's not my thing, um, too abstract kind of music cartoon art. I, I just... It doesn't, doesn't make it for me. So, um, yeah, I think there's a few things, definitely, and, and maybe you did, you'll, you'll all disagree or agree with this, as... There's lots to enjoy. There's lots to probably question and not enjoy, and that's that's the joy of um, documentaries and art being made. So, so yeah, um, I suppose I think at this point we can wrap the pod up. I think we've pulled this one apart enough. Um, was this a recommendation, George, or was this one that you dug out yourself? I remember watching this as I was going on holiday. It was on a plane. Um, on the back of a chair and I put it on and then when we were discussing we'll do more documentaries we'll talk about documentaries I remembered this one and I couldn't remember if it was good, <laughs> if it was good or not but I knew I've always had an interest in Kurt Cobain um it, it's just always I've always been drawn to him as an interesting yeah. figure I as a lot, as I pointed out before, the um, the tortured soul, so to speak, of um, rock gods, painters, and you know poets. So I thought, actually, I wouldn't mind giving this a watch again. Yeah. And the only way I'd probably watch this again is if we did a podcast on it because, or an episode on it because. I would just keep on putting it off because I'm not that interested in Nirvana. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. I agree. And I think it's a good one to have a go at and enjoy at the same time. So, yeah, but we enjoyed. Well, cheers, everyone, for listening. And uh, please take the time to go and watch this film. Enjoy it. Don't enjoy it. Tell us about it. Don't tell us about it. No, please do tell us about it. Please do tell us about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, no, Or no. give us some, give us some requests. Go on. I think you can request when you listen to this podcast. You can give us documentary requests, album requests, 
or even on the Instagram. I'm just taking over your job now. I got overexcited there. Sorry, Steve. No, no, you're absolutely spot on. Please do reach out to us at rbr.music uh, via podcast or via Instagram. Um, you'll be able to find many other music album reviews and now music documentary reviews are at library start to grow. We've had amazing comments from people and as George has said, please do make some suggestions, requests and we'll certainly do what we can and give it a go. Please do like, subscribe and feel free to share the rbr.music to your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening. Cheers. <laughs>